The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. Nobody questions that we're in a dangerous moment of the cultures of the world. Many things are in decline, and we know things are going to fall apart because of he's told us these things. Where is that coming through? From non-religious things, minus and religion out of our life. It was Mariana who said... On October 17, 2007, Our Lady is asking from us to put in our daily prayers, in the first place, the prayer for unbelievers. Because Our Lady has been emphasizing that most of the bad things in the world, like wars, crime, abortion, are coming from unbelievers. Because of that, Our Lady says that when you pray for them, you, in fact, are praying for yourselves and your own futures. Let me interpret that. The people now that's going in the 60s and 70s, and when they get toward 80, are going to have people 30, 40 years behind them that's going to replace the positions where they are, whether it's education, whether it's doctors, scientists, 
skilled workers, vocational workers, all these people are going to be in that position, and they don't have the thinking like you do. In 1963, we pulled prayer out, and we've been following ever since. But it started before that in the 50s. The way people think today, they're really crazy. I say crazy in the sense they don't have any logic. They don't have the abilities that we have in the way we think now. In other words, there's a statistical, just that one subject, what they see, well, the medical care for somebody at 77 for the next four years, it's going to take this much resources in Medicare. And because statistics show that, it's going to be more efficient that they don't get the care they need. And that's just one aspect. You say, well, they got parents, but they think different. And the reason they think different is because we have a corrupt education system. I cannot even believe just in the last 24 months how we have changed radically that I wrote back in 2007, years ago, what was coming about patriotism would be changed to nationalism, which is a negative. And at the same time, that we would be changed from a republic to a democracy. Everything you read, even from patriots, refers to our country as a democracy. It is not. And it's not in my understanding how you go along with this at the school systems and what they did, because it's an agenda. And it comes through the education system. Everything comes through that. It's diabolical. Our system, our education system, all the way through first grade, through college, is warped and bad. You say, well, how we can get education? you got to take charge. Yesterday, I saw one of our little girls, Hannah, four years old, laying on the asphalt path coming to the tabernacle, laying down with her arms spread out on the asphalt. And Isabella, who's five, has got a big baggie. She's going to the water faucet, walking 15 feet, and then drowsing her with water. And they would laugh. And then Isabella would lay down. And then Hannah would go get the bag and then drowse her. They had full clothes on. And you know what the parents do? Nothing. We give them freedom. If they want to get wet, get wet. Hannah, I saw her a couple hours later. She was still wet. We don't allow kids to be kids. We don't allow kids to play. And one of the biggest sins right now and is being exposed is that we're sending our children to school way too early. And it's a result of colleges and how people are trained and what they believe. And so the children are being restricted. I know St. Rose, a school here in Birmingham, a great school, but they had preschool And one of the teachers says it's so sad watching these children when the parents drop them off. They spend the whole day standing in front of the windows waiting for the mamas to come back. There's something wrong with this. I knew intuitively that my oldest son, when my wife wanted to send him to kindergarten, I said, absolutely no, I'm not going to do that. How did I know that? Because I know in my heart it was wrong. I don't need studies. I don't need the Sanford study that now has just come out saying you want to raise successful kids? Don't send them to school early. Another headline said, Why you shouldn't send your child to preschool. Another article headline says, The experts say no benefit to early academics. Another says, The dangers of an escalated curriculum at preschool. 
Another says the United States stubbornly insists on doing the opposite of what works in early childhood education. I would even go further than that because then it develops to that point that even later our education system is messed up. Another title says many preschools in the United States are now doing more harm than good. Does this not alarm you? Is your grandkids been going to preschool? I was always against it. I tell you, anything toward kids. If it's Nickelodeon, it's the Muppets, all these things, I have an aversion in it, always, before Medjugorje. And truthfully, I knew that. There's something wrong. And now we have Epstein. He had his airplane, and you know what he was doing with that, going to the island with child trafficking. And they got the flight logs on that. They know who flew with him for these things. And you have on the flight list, Kit LeBron, she worked for MTV, Nickelodeon, children's television workshops, and Nick Jr. I guess her husband, Geraldine Lorbeen, created Nickelodeon in 1996, became president of Disney. This couple was with Epstein on everything he did by the evidence of his flight logs. What's being said here, I'm telling you, we have a diabolical culture where kids and youth and the education and the teenagers are targeted. And these people who are demonic in what they do gravitate toward those systems. They gravitate toward Nickelodeon. I never watched that. My children were never allowed to see these things. I didn't have to have philosophy. I look at people. I study people. I watch things. You can learn philosophy yourself. Also, this couple is on the board for kinder care learning centers all across the United States. The devil gravitates toward wherever kids are. Whatever you got, whatever program, whatever toys, whatever games, whatever video games, all this is guided by the devil. We're raising youth right now who are monsters. Literally the way they think, you cannot relate to them. I was getting a haircut the other day. There was a Time magazine that had a 10, 11-year-old girl sitting there, made a really beautiful dress on her. She's sitting in a chair. She's turned, looked into the camera. The hallway is dark around her. And she is a climate change martyr and going on hunger strike. And they uphold these youth, 10, 12, 13 years old, as heroes. You say, well, that's not that dangerous. It's absurd. No, it is absurd. Because what they're learning, what they're taught, these people, when you get older, move into decision, you have too much population, too much sickness with this disease, you're not treated. They will put you to sleep very quickly, just like a rabid dog. You don't think so? There's a clip going around right now, of, I assume around, around 20 years, 30 years old. It's a clip of the Democratic Socialist Party where they had a convention. And we're going to play this and listen how these people think. And this is prevailing. And keep in mind, another study came out yesterday showing that the generation is growing up of social media, Facebook, and the likes are depressed. They are lonely. They feel like they have no friends. All the selfie stuff is centered on themselves, and they really don't have real friends. It's a phantom. And they are deeply depressed, the study shows. And this clip is very revealing of the danger of these people when they get in positions, CEOs, and the way they think what they're going to end up doing to you. Uh, Quick point of privilege. Quick point Um, of personal privilege. Um, Guys, uh, first of all, James Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. I 
just want to say, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? I'm one of the people who's very, very prone to sensory overload. There's a lot of whispering and chatter going on. It's making it very difficult for me to focus. Please, can we just, I know it's, we're all fresh and ready to go, but can we please just keep the chatter to a minimum? It's affecting my ability to focus. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Okay, is there a speaker against name, Point chapter, pronoun? Point of personal privilege. Yes. Please do not use gendered language to, to address everyone. Quick point of privilege once again. Quick point of privilege once again. Hi, James Jackson, Sacramento DSA, he, him. I have already asked people to be mindful of the chatter of their comrades who are sensitive to sensory overload. And that goes double for the heckling and the hissing. It is also triggering to my anxiety. Like, the be comradely doesn't ju isn't just for like, you know, let's keep things civil or whatever. It's so that people aren't gonna get triggered and so that it doesn't affect their performance as a delegate, okay? Your need to express yourself is important, but your need to express yourself should not trump or over... Like I see that no one's clapping for me. It could be because I'm not engaging, but it also is because everyone's doing this. And that's really important because those loud bursts of noise, even though this is a noisy space, when we can do something like reducing that, that's really important. So please don't clap, shoot up these. We have a lot of disabled comrades and uh, a lot of those are invisible disabilities. You don't know who it is uh, that is having a more difficult time navigating this space, and this space was not created with all of their needs in mind. So it's up to us to modify that space to make sure that uh, everybody is able to move in the ways that they need to move. Um, and, and additionally, with the, um, the noise issue, like avoid hissing, avoid waving banners, right? Um, because those, there's, there's all sorts of things. If you don't know what to do, show up these, right? I'm sure there's lots of ways that we can communicate to each other without needing to rely on something uh, that's going to hurt somebody else. We have quiet rooms that are available. There's a range of options of these, right? Please don't go into that space with anything that's like an aggressive scent, for instance, right? Because we don't want to put people in stressful situations that they don't consent to, right? And we, there are um, right-wing infiltrators who are trying to get in here but it's going to be really traumatic for people if we're not making an affirmative effort to de-escalate each other and de-escalate ourselves, right? Take a deep breath. And feel better before you say anything. Don't really talk to anybody who doesn't have a creden credential, especially if you claim to be from the press. You have no idea who that person is. Please do not talk to anybody who identifies themselves as a member of the press without having uh, credentials. Um, don't talk to cops. Don't talk to MAGA. All, we're almost there. Just uh, this, but thank you. Um, we are going to be visited tomorrow um, by some MAGA protesters. Um, is there anybody here who's done abortion clinic escort work? By all means, don't talk to cops if there are cops there for any reason at all, right? Um, and if you do see someone talking to cops, uh, let the marshals know. Um, we are, we are safe and we are strong because there's power in collective, uh, in collective work. Do you believe that? You think that's isolated, just a few people? No, this is a growing problem. They just told us sin reigns and it's going to get stronger. These people who have sensory overload because you don't like their lifestyle or they're abominable and you tell them it's wrong, you're wrong, not them. You are wrong. And if you persist, don't think there won't be consequences and punishment. 
personal privilege, personal privilege. You know, you can interrupt anybody and they have to give way to you because you have a personal privilege to speak out. And you may have an invisible disability that nobody else can see. So they want to give what we have for the handicapped parking who has a physical disability the same privileges that's just invisible. You can't see that I have sensory overload and you're hurting me by what you're saying. And therefore you're silenced. One person can shut down everybody else, a thousand people. So if they think this, this has been propagated, and you say, well, it's not that prevalent now. It wasn't prevalent talking about this country being a democracy eight years ago. It's prevalent. Very few people say this is a republic. It's a democracy. If you change a the democracy, then you have this personal privilege garbage that's coming up. Why is all this important? Because it's the church. It's the weakness of the church. Last night, I picked up the Catholic paper here in Birmingham. And they had an article for Catholic News Agency. I speak about philosophy because our latest messages is philosophy. I've watched this. I've studied people. I've worked people. How, why do they do what they do? You can develop philosophy yourself. You don't need to study it. Philosophy in a book is nothing compared to you watching and doing anthropology, how people behave and different cultures behave, you learn philosophy. All these messages are filled with philosophy. This is how you live. And she's telling us over, you listen to me, not to everybody else, not to other voices, not the educational system, because it's demonically ran. Remember, it doesn't have to have just 5% of the party line of the devil. But I tell you now, we have far more than 5%. So I pick up this, the title of this writing by, quote, Catholic News Agency says, why do priests study philosophy? That's my question. Why do they study philosophy? They don't need to study philosophy. They need to be in prayer. They need to read the Bible. Thomas Kempis says, why do you go to a university for years when the Holy Spirit can give you what you need instantly? It starts off this way. Philosophy does not teach its students the Bible. So they admit it. Philosophy in the seminaries is not going to teach you the Bible. It does not teach one how to minister to a congregation. Then what are we doing it for? Then it continues. It does not teach one how to distribute the sacraments. Duh. And then I read down. I couldn't believe what I read. It says this. Because the whole thing is about theologians. And that we have to increase philosophy. I remember John Paul being advised and accepted it to add another year of philosophy. So they have up to four years of philosophy. What for? This is the reason. This is profound. I'm going to read something out of here that will blow you away. It's so incredible. It says, quote, Philosophy has helped theologians better to understand problems such as the existence of evil. Wow. So to be a theologian and to understand evil, you also have to have philosophy. What Sorry said is it doesn't teach you about the Bible. It doesn't teach you about how to minister congregation or give sacraments. But we got to have it for a theologian. And to make a theologian, we got to send them to the seminaries and give them all kind of intellectual stuff. 
So, quote again, philosophy has helped theologians better to understand problems such as the existence of evil. I don't need nobody to tell me what evil is. And if you've got any common sense and you're praying and you're reflecting, you know what evil is and why it exists. But no, we got a philosophy to help the theologians that they can understand the problem of the existence of evil. And it continues in regards to understand problems such as existence of evil and free will. Do you know what free will is? Are you a philosopher? Are you a theologian? Well, they have to have that to understand it. And you do? So the existence of evil and free will and the existence of the soul. This is laughable. This is what we're doing in our seminaries. We've got to learn about the existence of the soul. And the only way you can understand the existence of the soul, you have to be a theologian. And to be a theologian, you have to have philosophy. None of which teaches you about the Bible. They admit that. Not ministering to the congregation or distribute the sacraments. Four years of philosophy in the diocesan seminaries now. But that's not the end of the quote. The existence of evil, free will, and the existence of the soul And then, after you know all this stuff and you're educated intellectually, got a little piece of paper saying you're a theologian and you've had philosophy, and then you apply the findings to theology. This is beyond absurd. This is sick. It goes on and says, the study of philosophy helps theologians better understand the specifics of what ancient theologians meant by their use of philosophical terms. I don't need anybody interpret the simplicity of Socrates when he explained simply philosophy. It's not a university thing. He was on the streets just talking to the youth, just explaining life. And it's just logic. But that's what they bring in. Because when it said philosophical terms to help the theologians, it goes on and says they often describe theological thoughts and philosophical terms capable of capturing the depth necessary in order to discuss theology. What do we want to be walking around discussing theology? Our lady is saying, spread my messages. Talk to everybody. Talk to them. Tell them I'm up here on the earth. She's given us everything we need. You know what our lady said in the beginning over and over and over? The faith is extinguishing itself. You know what this article says? Philosophy helped many early theologians better understand their faith through logic and come to natural conclusions rather than resting entirely on faith. Whoa, that's a contradiction. Our lady said faith is extinguishing itself. She's told us all you really need is faith. You put faith in the apparitions. You put faith in Our Lady. You pray, you fast, you get the knowledge that you need to know. But here it is, it says, faith through logic, not through faith. Faith has to come through logic, quote, and come to natural conclusions rather than resting entirely on faith. We're to rest everything on faith, entirely on that, supported by fasting, prayer. Yes, and reading the Bible, reading all these messages. And another place in this article, it says, you can't really do theology without philosophy. We're doing it. We write about it. We live it. We show it. We've got priests following what we do. We're influencing the future bishops and cardinals and even the Pope by what we live here on those grounds. And if you're living the messages, you're living philosophy, a philosophy of what? Of holiness. But what they say in this article, quote, that's what going to take shape in homilies, 
is what's going to take shape in the classroom. That's going to take shape with the couple who's preparing for getting married. Because as a philosopher and theologian, you're going to tell them, that's why we have so many divorces today. Somebody's philosophy and theology is not working. We are a sick people. We are a very sick church. And it's education, it's intellectual. What are you going to get by just going into academics for 13 to 14 years through grammar school and high school in regards to life? It's all intellectual. Ruth, you got a bachelor's degree. Your father was a big educator. What did you see in the classroom even 30 years ago where problems were developing than what we have today? Well, what I saw even back then, and I can't even imagine what it is now, but that was my, I taught 30 years ago. And even then, the state and the federal governments were telling the schools what they had to teach. And so what they were teaching the kids were basically these tests. They were teaching them how to answer these tests, what the answers were to these tests, so that they could get a higher level on the test as far as the school in the district in the state and get more funding for it. And so these kids were not taught, even back then, were not being taught the common sense type of things that were necessary to make something of themselves. My dad was in education throughout his whole life, but one of the main things that he focused on in his time in education was developing the vocation schools, which was helping kids to go into a specific trade and learning uh, how to be a mechanic or uh, building trades or woodworking, whatever that might be, so that By the time they are out of high school, they can go and get a job. He saw that as important. He developed the vocation schools in a regular school district, but he also developed a specific special vocation school for kids in that district to go to. And that's missing now. Kids, they have no common sense. They've been taught the test, and that's all they know what to do. And if they go to college, it's the same thing. They they don't know how to do anything because they use uh, calculators, they use computers, even at early age. Even 30 years ago, kids in primary school were being taught using computers, using calculators, and not learning how to do things on their own. And that's just progressively gotten worse and worse and worse. Well, we have this whole system, the education is a God. I guarantee you our five-year-olds here have so much vocational training as a five-year-old compared to people that's 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. We talked a few weeks ago about little Tony, who's only five years old, spent the whole week in the hayfields running a big loader, not a little one, tires as tall as you are, all day long, following his dad, picking up hay bales, thousand pound hay bales, and moving them all the way across the, the pastures to be loaded up. That wasn't work for him. That was play. Why do little kids play with little caterpillar tractors? Ours have that. When they're one and two, and when they're three, they're moving into the tractors themselves. But that's just one little window about these kids. We don't have a grand way of life. They don't need academics. They need fun, play, work, mentors, working with adults. Our kids are always with us. And I will put our children here as far as their skill, their logic, their common sense, through free play are throwing water over each other, and the parents not getting on to them because it's an inconvenience for them. They are free to learn how to play with each other. Now, I've said it before. The greatest toy you can give to a kid is another kid. But also, 
the greatest education you can give to a kid is put kids together out there in the dirt. They'll figure out something to do. They'll start making roads out of it. They learn not to get hurt. Little Tony carries around a knife, a sharp knife. He's four years old. The four years old had knives here. It's a two. They don't see it what everybody else sees it as. We've got a wrong perspective because kids and youth and adults are raising children with a bad perspective and a wrong perspective. What people see as a weapon, our children see as a two, our work, our friend. We have people all over the world adopting our thinking. Our thinking is a philosophy, a philosophy of living the message in life. That's what philosophy is. You don't need to get a certificate and say, I took philosophy. What can you do? When's the last time you've been really, really super turned on, proud to be a Catholic from a homily? It's getting less and less and less as we get more and more education academics, even in, in the college, and universities, and degrees. There's no practice in it. You said your father was invocational. Our children here are learning things before they even get into grammar school that 18 years have never been exposed to. Am I being strong about this? You bet I am. But I even knew it as a kid. I remember my dad taking me into the school Look at school, nuns completely dressed up all the way with a veil all the way to the top and the forehead covered with a white thing. I walk in that room, my dad walks out, and I said to myself, I'm not staying here. No way. I'm not going to stay here. Because why? Little kids are supposed to be with their parents. They're supposed to be working around with them. So I started screaming. The nun sitting at her desk before my dad walked out. He walks out. She grabs me. She holds him and cradles me like I'm a little baby. I ain't going to be your baby. And I'm screaming, and she wouldn't put me down. I was kicking my feet. So I went for what I knew would make her put me down. I bit where baby's nurse. So I bit that ninny, and I didn't <laughs> let it go. And I wasn't going to let it go. And I remember holding on to that. She's pushing me out of her lap, and I was still clinging to that. And you may say, that's crap. I'm just telling you the truth. That's what I did. And you know what? I didn't go to school. They weren't going to let this little boy in there. Because I wanted to be playing. I wanted to go with my dad on service calls where he walked on washing machines and freezers and air conditioners. I learned a lot of things like that. So when I say it's intuitive, I was born that way. And people need to train their kids that way. Don't push your kids into school. Everything. You go do research. There's so much research out there showing which comes from studies. But if you're praying, you already know this. A new study now shows that a parent making a single decision, one decision that many parents make, can affect whether their kid will have an advantage or disadvantage for the rest of their entire academic career. Did you hear that? The study shows just the single decision of putting off your children going to school too young will affect their whole academic education later. I knew that, but many of you don't. And that's what the discovery is from the Stanford study. Just delaying kindergarten one year has incredible results on what happens with the children from that point. It affects mental health, the discipline, self-control, and their academic achievement is far greater. This study showed in Denmark that kids who delayed attending just even kindergarten to one year were far more likely to be able to pay attention to school and had dramatically higher levels of self-controls than their peers who went to kindergarten. And that advantage was sustained for years afterwards. Just that one thing. 
If you form your own philosophy through prayer, fasting, through all these messages, you will see these things. You will know Nickelodeon is bad. You would know, like I did, that Gene Hemson and the Muppets was an abominable. This thing was going, what, 30 years ago? I never let my children see this. Never, not one time, because I could see it, because these people gravitate to that. And another part of the study showing just delaying kindergarten for one year reduced inattention and hyperactivity by 73% by the time the child becomes 11 years old. 73%. That's astounding. This is an opinion. This is fact. You know, years ago, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book, and he talked about that, that the youth who went to play soccer or sports and they had the late birthday, they were far more proficient than the ones that fell in the short side of being young, having to get into the league. I know a lot of people use this as babysitters or because they want to go to work. And then they put the kids in pre-kindergarten, then kindergarten, then first grade. You're committing sin. Oh, I don't agree with that. Don't agree with me. But you have to agree with studies, especially from universities, who would be the unlikely ones to state these things. But their studies come from Europe, not even origined from here in the United States. Why? Because we trust the education system. I don't trust nothing in education, nothing that they're teaching anywhere, not in the Catholic schools. Don't trust them. My son got on top of the desk because at John Carroll High School, they were teaching that Thomas More disagreed with the king because he got a divorce. And the religion book said, had he just given that, there wouldn't have been a big split in the church. This is taught in the 80s. Did you hear what I just said? I read the book. I showed it to him. And there's more issues with that when he stood up at that. But he was rebellious in a lot of things, a lot of it because I'm rebellious against it. Actually, I didn't tell him at the time because I had to get on to him, but I was proud of him. Our lady just told us, pray, comma, think, comma, contemplate. It's the first time she said it. I talked about this on the broadcast on Ali's birthday. We don't think. We have everybody thinking for us. Even on these studies, you may be moved by this and hear this, but why haven't you thought about this before? I watched everything where I put my children, who they were with. And I created, through the messages, a way of life that is beautiful for the way the youth are raised here. They play from daylight to dark after dark, and their play often is around work. It states in this article, the study notes that even if they spend an extra year soaking up an extended exposure to such playful environments, might, see, they still want to say might, might have a big advantage. We don't have no might here. We know it. We've seen it. We live it. Makina Myers, who was a studier of preschool academics, said the best and the brightest experts today in the field are warning that academic preschools is resulting in youngsters less curious, less capable of critical thinking, and that this will have a dire effect for them in the future, employees, parents, and citizens, and pose grave consequences for our republic. There it is from the teacher, a woman who has a master's degree. So they're starting to see it. Uh, Professor Lillian Katz from the University of Illinois writes, While early formal instructions may appear to show good test results at first, in the long term, in follow-up studies, such children have no advantage. On the contrary, especially in the case of boys, 
subjections to early formal instruction increases their tendency to distance themselves from the goals of school and to drop out of it, either mentally or physically. That's why I flunked third grade, and I'm glad I did, because I wanted to have fun. I wanted to play, and I still play. I'm 66. You should never quit playing. Work can be play if you enjoy it. So again, I bring this back to the church, really, because we have the largest school system in the United States of America, really the whole world, parochial schools. And when we've got these people, these idiots, and I say idiots, will write and put something like, philosophy has helped theologians better to understand problems such as the existence of evil, free will, and the existence of the soul, and then apply their findings to theology as can be seen through their writings. No wonder we're off base. No wonder our lady's here. We've got a community in Medjugorje. Six people that walked in Maria's apparition yesterday. And all through the apparition, a demonic is hollering. And then there was a second one. And then there was a third one. When our lady appeared, they were really going crazy. I want to call them and ask them if they need to go take theology to understand evil. Or did they just see it? The absurdity of what's coming out of the church and the seminaries and what they've been taught is in total contradiction to St. John Vianney. And when we wanted to help all the priests of the world to have a model, St. John Vianney a few years ago was named something to the effect the year of the priesthood. And this guy couldn't pass the test. They had to orally give it to him. But see, he was holy. He was so holy that he got so drowning in confession hour after hour, that he went to escape out of the village and go away. And you know what they did? They went to all the passes to stop him and brought him back. That's a priest. Pray, think, and contemplate. You need some big changes to make for your kids and your grandkids and your future kids and grandkids. Don't put them in this system. That's why homeschool is so important. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, you better do that now, whatever you can do, because we got a future that is going to bring things back into balance. And you want to be on that path already doing it or headed toward it. What you are hearing a friend of Medjugorje speak about today comes as a direct contradiction to what many have been taught to believe. In just a moment, a friend of Medjugorje will conclude. But first, we live in a time of contradiction. It is time for people to become a contradiction to present-day wisdom and be re-educated in a new way of thinking, a way of common sense. These broadcasts exist to help bring people back to a way of truth, a way of common sense. Without your prayers and generous financial support, we cannot continue. There are many initiatives ready to be started that only need your funding. If you are giving monthly as a field angel, we thank you for your commitment. If you are not a monthly field angel donor, we do not ask you to merely consider this. This is a must. In order to spread these broadcasts and this wisdom takes your consistent financial help. Make your monthly field angel donation part of your monthly tithe. Our Lady's plans in Medjugorje require this, and much, much more. To sign up, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.
When dialing from outside the United States, dial 001-205-672-2000. To sign up as a Field Angel donor online, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on Donate. For all who sign up or make a donation online, a friend of Medjugorje will share with you a free copy of today's Medjinomics as a way of saying thank you. Just mention today's broadcast and the CD number CD2461MJ. Thank you for your help. Now, here is a friend of Medjugorje to conclude today's broadcast. So there's a lot of food for thought. You probably want to listen to this again. But we really are in trouble because we bought the lie of the devil and his song, The Pied Piper. So again, I'll leave you with the words, pray, think, contemplate. Couple it with prayer and fasting and sacrifices. And you will be our lady's philosopher through your witness and your life. Wish your lady, we love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.